Season two of Have You Got Five Minutes is brought to you in partnership with Nextdoor, the neighbourhood app that's used by one in seven households in the UK. This past 18 months, we've all needed to connect a little closer with the communities around us and Nextdoor are working to create a kinder place for people to have a neighbourhood that they can rely on. Tap into your neighbourhood at nextdoor.co.uk or download the app from your app store. I'm Rebecca Roberts. Hi, I'm Harriet Small. Welcome to Have You Got Five Minutes, the PR, comms and marketing podcast answering the things you'd normally have asked about at an event or while making a brew in the office. Hi, Rebecca. Hi, Hate. How are you? I'm good. I think my brother's going to kill me if I tell him one more time that McDonald's doesn't have milkshake. Do you know what, though? They've finally got an excuse that they can blame their lack of milkshakes on because they've never got, they've always got supply issues with milkshakes, but literally. All McDonald's have struggled with this. And, and it kind of made us think about the topic of, you know, I guess in the wake of Brexit and the pandemic, but mainly because of Brexit and trading agreements and the EU catching it, we've got a variety of supply issues that are cropping up. And we were talking the other day about like, how do you communicate that? Because it's bad news. You know, you've got competitors that compile in. I think Aldi did something like, do you want a bulk order hunt to McDonald's about their milkshake issues? It's a, a really difficult one, isn't it? I get the point around food and supermarkets trolling each other and everything else but I also have concerns about what is the public messaging around this like what are we saying to people because you know it wasn't long ago when people were stockpiling toilet roll and fighting for flour in the aisles of Sainsbury's so you know let's Let's think about this in a way where we're talking to consumers, you know, Christmas is coming up. I don't want to say, I didn't want to say a C word, but it is coming up. You know, people get really kind of, and I know it's one day, but people get really weird. There's stories going out, well, there's not going to be enough pigs and blankets, right? And I was like, people know they can make them. Like, good God, like, what is going on? And there's already those kind of stories. And like, yeah, people are like buying freezers specifically to bolt by last year and I think no matter how much reassurance and guidance was given like please be thoughtful like we're in this together a lot of people were in it for themselves and like we're just buying crazy stuff like we weren't getting nuked at this point like people were stocking up insane volumes and I think there is a real issue there but I was reading I mean I'm gonna say interesting like in a geeky way it was interesting but some discussion on supply chains right and around actually that digital transformation and digitizing supply chains needs to happen more really needs like a bit of a supercharge here because you know obviously we're gonna have ongoing issues because we're wrangling with Brexit but also kind of this catch-up and the whole excuse like the pandemic isn't going to last for that much longer like we're going to have to talk about like the real issues and there was just like one key thing in this article related to comms like there wasn't much around comms it was around how internal and external teams need to work together better because you know with supplies one thing you can actually predict quite a lot like you know something's coming down the line so there should be ways in which you can communicate that in a better way that it's not just like we've run out because that makes you feel like panic like oh my god like milkshakes are out like that might have been a decision they were going to wait until it happened but I think comms needs to be at the table yeah I don't go to McDonald's all the time but there was a day I was craving a McDonald's milkshake and I like it with an apple pie but I went to the McDonald's (laughs) insight into how it's like <laughs> and that this is real insight and I asked I said can I like the milkshake's not coming up on the screen the self-service thing and the lady said to me oh the machine's broken come back later now I have been on the other side of really bad internal comms quite a few times and I won't mention the brands but I have tweeted about them that is really frustrating if I had gone back again and the machine was still broken but yet you've run out of milkshake and you're telling me the machine's broken that's where I get annoyed with poor communication and 
you know, it, it's that thing of let staff know, just tell the customer we have run out rather than saying the machine's broken because the machine can't be broken in all the stores. I think the other thing for me as well around the supply chain issue is there are certain products that we're running out of, but we're not talking about it because I don't know whether it's a fear of talking about it or people don't know. So for example, um, certain medical devices, the tubes that we use to, to draw blood, we're running low on those, but we're not talking about it. And that that's what's concerning me is what what's the plan for that? Because we're in the middle of a global pandemic. We're going into, we've been in autumn, winter since since June but that's another issue but we are still in this like horrible season we're going to go into winter if we don't have certain medical equipment we need to think about how we're going to do that what are we saying to the public because it's all well and good you know saying yeah the supply issues we're working on it but actually people need timelines people need reassurance and as much as I'm one of these people who's like yeah whatever there are a lot of people out there who have a lot of anxieties. They worry about a lot of these things. They get concerned. They get in their own head. They may not even want to come to the hospital. You know, there's there's all those those kind of things we need to think about in terms of uh, public safety and public messaging. So I think for me, that's the big thing. Yeah, I'd l- I mean, at some point, we'll have to get someone on from the supermarket sector who dealt with a lot of the comms around stock and supply because I just think it's a a really interesting one because I felt like it reached a point because like traditionally there is there is a little bit like oh you know Morrison's have run out of this or KFC have run out of that and there's a bit of that going on and it's easy to pile on like do you remember when KFC ran out of chicken then they ran out of gravy it's like oh they're having an absolute nightmare and you know for competitors that's like a pile on whatever but the reality is like for the supermarkets last year, it got to a point where it was like really serious and people behaving in a way that oh, it was just scary to kind of see. And I think that added a lot to the anxiety for a lot of people around like shopping, being safe, like being able to feed themselves, that kind of thing. And I felt like they got to a point where there was almost like an agreement about how they were talking about it and to reassure the public. And it was growing up, it was like an, an all parliamentary group on can we just not talk like absolute competitive bastards about food? And I think when it comes to supply issues, there is a real public safety consideration, like you're saying. And yeah, from just a basic comms thing, I wonder how much comms has been at the table before with supply issues and how much it needs to be. Because some of the articles I was reading, it was like, considering logistics is you know, there was a lot of tech transformation there. What I was reading was actually they need to catch up. Because of the pandemic, I guess it's this, you know, business as usual, just trying to do the same old thing, whereas actually the need to really step that up because that's got to meet current supply and demand issues from customers, particularly since the pandemic. Yeah, and I'm going to try not to get political because it's very difficult for me to, because I'm not supposed to get into politics. But we also have to consider the fact that HGV drivers who predominantly bought in a lot of this food and drove the trucks that bought in this food and bought in these supplies are no longer able to come because of the changes in immigration laws. And I think, you know, when people are sitting around the table and making decisions about policy and things, especially Brexit, I saw somewhere that ballerinas are considered, you know, sort of specialised workers. Like, I know the government did that whole campaign around... Fatima was a ballerina that she was going into cyber and I don't want to joke about it but it seems like we need I don't know whether the ballerinas are going to drive the trucks yeah it's just it's that whole like um the reality of like what what a law change or actually mean for so many other related businesses it's all very well saying yeah we're going to do this and this will be the paperwork but you know for example like students wanting to go to Spain to study for a year they've 
had to pay extortionate amounts to sort out the new visa stuff because there is a new process here but it's the first time we've done it and all, all that kind of stuff takes a long time to kind of catch up and I think that's just the reality we're in and supply chain is one of them but I think how you communicate that like you can't you can't forever and a lot of companies have done this kind of from a service perspective like there's still companies that call now going because of covid you know this uh, we, we're not going to able to answer your call as quickly like how long is that going to go on for like I think there's a bit of an issue there around blaming the pandemic and I think as a society we're kind of waking up to the fact that we need certain things you know to be clear communicated like if there's no milkshake for Harry it's milkshake and apple pie stuff we need to know guys this is important stuff <laughs> and just one last point I think also is the social class thing which supermarkets are running out of stuff because if you can go to Waitrose and M&S and get all the fruit and veg you want but you can't go to Aldi, Lidl, Tesco, Morrison and get the fruit and veg, then we've got a problem because, you know, it can't only be the supermarkets where the rich and the upper middle class shop that have all the things. This week, we're joined by Nick Entwistle. Nick is the founder and creative director of One Minute Briefs, an online phenomenon which combines creativity with brands and causes to create compelling campaigns. Nick's background as a creative in-house saw him work on a breadth of brand campaigns, but as he grew the One Minute Brief community, the power of the on-ball took over and has grown into what it is today. As part of the Bank of Creativity, Nick combined consultancy services with One Minute Briefs with brands that have led to some really exciting campaigns. Nick, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for me. So tell us a little bit about um, what led you to set up One Minute Briefs and this belief that creativity can come from anywhere and is perhaps something we should be practising a bit more. Yeah, well, uh, the reason it was first created was actually when I was in university number of years ago and the reason it happened it was never intended to be the, the sort of business and, and community that it's become it was literally to sort of inspire us when we we're on like a seven week university brief and I was procrastinating as well as my mate the co-founder of OMB because I think having too much time sometimes sort of stifles you and you just end up not doing anything for weeks and then getting down to that last final bit of pressure when it gets down to maybe your last week or as we know in the industry, you get a day or two to do most of your stuff these days. And I think we sort of embraced that whilst we're at university. We're often told off by our tutors for giving ourselves too much to do and starting entering too many awards, putting ourselves under pressure. But it's what we thrived on and giving ourselves what was a one-minute brief at the time forced you to rely on your instincts. And some of them are really funny. Some of them are actually a lot better than you think. You are restricting yourself, but... Because you've only got one minute, you've got the excuse for it to be not a great idea. But you've also got the, I suppose, the inspiration to just actually not have a fear of sharing an idea because it is one minute and that leads to better ideas, I think. And you've had your own experience of what the uh, One Minute Brief community means to people, haven't you? Like, was building the community something you thought about or was it just kind of something that just happened? Well, Twitter was where we first started it and we took it onto Twitter in our first job basically to learn what Twitter was about. We had no idea what we were doing on there. So we just decided, let's share some of our one-minute briefs. We built up a bank of them over time, doing these things as a little side project. So we posted them up and, you know, you get, <laughs> we've got, you know, a few followers and a couple of likes here and there, but nothing to shout about. And then one day, I think we got to about 100 followers or something, and we just decided... I can't remember why. I just decided, right, let's do a one-minute brief of the day and see if anyone else wants to do it. And we'll just commit ourselves to do one a day and post it up. No one enters the first day. Then the sort of maybe second, third day, someone enters. And think, all oh, right, okay. So what we didn't realise at the time, obviously, that 
if someone's tweeting to us, before it even hits us, they're tweeting to their own followers. So we retweet that out to our followers as well, which is why cumulatively now we're reaching millions every day because we're retweeting hundreds of submissions to 34,000 followers. But at the time it was one or two. But the reason it's grown organically is because they're tweeting to their own followers. And it goes back to when we were at university, when we were doing them, we were having a bit of a laugh doing it. People were looking over our shoulder and saying, oh, we'll do one as well. And then suddenly you've got five or six of you in the class having a laugh doing it all at the same time. And I think in hindsight, that's probably why it works really well socially because it's, it's easy access to do. You don't have to do too much. You can scribble it on a piece of paper and share it. No fear of judgment. And it's all positive and everyone wants to build each other up. But the community has just grown organically in that way. Like I say, it was never necessarily intended to right from the start. It was never intended to be a business. And I think that's probably why it has grown into the successful community it has. Because I think if you'd have tried to force something like that from what was probably at the time a gimmicky thing, a one-minute brief, I think that's why the community's embraced it. And now because collectively we have such impact, we can do stuff for big grounds and causes as well. It's the ultimate participation thing, isn't it? So for those who haven't seen it before, brief is out every day and people can submit it in all sorts of formats whether it's words little doodles making memes so sometimes it's just you want to reply because you've just thought of something funny whereas also you have loads of creators that follow you and will come up with something and i guess it, it's almost and you see it quite a lot from agencies don't you their own attempts at a a brand joke or you know you saw it after the euros actually with the post office one where it was changed to rome rather than home with the football wrapped up and that wasn't post office doing that yeah funnily enough that the person that created that I gave him his first ever work placement. Oh, really? I worked at McCann. I love that one. The football wraps up. Obviously, they'd change it to Rome, but he did the It's Coming Home one. So someone had parodied that <laughs> for Rome. But yeah, brilliant stuff and, and brands getting involved. And that's sometimes the reactive stuff that we see posted on OMB. We've seen a couple with one for Guinness and one for Kit Kat in the last year, and they've just gone viral right across the world. But I think that's because you're reacting and creating a piece of content that just relates to so many people and it just spreads like wildfire and that's why them two they had a big impact on one minute briefs itself as well because more brands wanted to get involved with us and if the content gets shared on ad week in new york and things people start to take one minute briefs ever more seriously and it keeps growing yeah definitely like really shareable and it's almost like a way that more people can join the conversation i guess with brands tell us a bit about some of the campaigns you've been part of as one minute briefs going back a few years i think probably one of the biggest campaigns we did was the the nhs campaign that was we started off 2015 it was and we ended up beating justin bieber to christmas number one because it was i was working in a film agency at the time and i'd just been unwell myself in hospital it was the first job i came out to do and i said well let's get one minute briefs involved in trying to make this a bit bigger we just wanted to do a a small film for the nhs during a few government cuts and things and then suddenly it started to spiral and one of the ideas came out and then we were creating a film for it we did an extra bit with celebrities holding up basically the idea was based on wedding vows the NHS is always there for you, for better, for worse, for rich, for poor, etc. And I did a celebrity thing where all the celebrities were saying, I do. And then that starts to spiral. <laughs> and then sat there with my mum on, on Christmas Day and, and the film that we did got to number one. So that's, I mean, my own job is as a creative director or you know, I direct films through the bank of creativity stuff I do as well as the one minute brief stuff. But the community really pushed that forward and you wouldn't have been able to do it without the might of the collective 
community. So that was a huge one. We did one for a little girl, again, leading to a film, this one. Sometimes these campaigns, the one minute beast thing, although you get millions of reach across a day, one or more of the ideas might inspire something bigger, like billboards, got partnership with Clear Channel, or sometimes it'll be a film and we'll get the creative involved in the direction of it as well. So one we did was for a girl with neuroblastoma, cancer, and that idea came from Z Anwar, who came up with what was the initial idea. At age three, she shouldn't know the C word. Up until 10 years old, she'd have cancer on and off. And the family got in touch and said, can we do a film based on this? And went down and directed this film in Birmingham. And then the film had 10 million views on Unilads and got on BBC News and raised hundreds of thousands in the process. And Z actually also did an idea taking the animals off team brands and logos. And we ended up doing that on World Wildlife Day this year for WWF. And that had reach of half a billion. If we go back to just being at university, messing about with those one minute silly ideas, it just goes to show that if you have that idea and then you've got the community behind you and you've got the belief and also the contacts that are built up over time, being able to go and speak to WWF and then take it seriously. When I was a student, if I'd have gone to them, I wouldn't have known who to email and had no way in. But these days, over time, we're able to make and achieve these big impacts because you're just learning all the time on what to do. And then that's why asking the right questions with this WWF campaign, getting brands and teams involved, creating a bit of a fear of missing out. Because once we had a few people involved and said they were pledged to do it on the day, we could then tell others that these lot are doing it. And then that keeps going. So those campaigns were particularly big for OMB. And they've been almost like milestones, probably two years apart each. And... You get maybe one every year or one every year or two that just really push you on. And even in terms of your followers, we've gone up by 50% in just the last year alone. Some of that because of lockdown and some of it from the stuff like Kit Kat, Guinness. And also we got on TV with Peston on ITV this year. So it's come a long way. And, and when you do these big campaigns and get trending, that's naturally your almost new business. And it's, it promotes itself type of thing to hopefully get that next big I mean, we were trending yesterday for King of Shaves, so reaching millions of people. What's lovely is like, and obviously we'll link to all these, I love that video you did on the cancer one in particular, but what's lovely when you talk about them as well, you know, I think the concept is you know a good idea when you see one, right? So when you're seeing all these different people and you're bouncing ideas off, it does become like, what's nice is like, if you see someone else with a great idea in one minute briefs, you can't help but like it and enjoy it and celebrate it. It's And that's what's really lovely about the community. You kind of, it's less about ego and it's less about, I guess, from an internal creative agency perspective, like this is this team's idea, it's kind of blowing that up and sharing it. And some of the people you've had do really successful ideas aren't trained creative directors, are they? They're just people that have come up with like a really quick, fun idea on something. Yeah, well, I mean, I do come from an agency background myself where it's very competitive and you kind of need to be the person that consistently is coming up with ideas in order to progress your career. And as I moved into being a creative director at a relatively young age of 26 I was then sort of responsible for teams and wanting to push them forward and I get a lot more satisfaction from actually seeing other people do really well especially through one minute briefs and like you say there people that aren't even in the industry Z who's been the humble of the year several times and did the WWF initial idea and C word initial idea he has just got a job in the industry he's he struggled over time to get a job he has just got one recently, but his ideas, of, he's just uh, just released a blog on our website, actually, and people are so supportive of him, and 
people are saying how inspired they are by him and, and all of the other people. But yeah, like I say, and a great idea can come from anywhere. And because he's done so many over time, it almost trains his thinking. And he was quite controversial in his very first ideas because he always wanted to prove a point or, you know, do something that really would change the world, which brings its own controversy. I'd spoken to him very early on and said, look, let's channel your ideas in the right way. And it's quite nice that I can actually utilise that creative director role to actually message people and say, what if you did this? And knowing, for example, the taking the animals away from the logo, I had the contacts at WWF who we were doing something with them. And I was able to say to them, look, that could be a massive, massive campaign that if you let us do it, we will make it happen. So it's taking that initial idea, which is great, you know, it might get shared a few times on Twitter, but what if you can take that and actually do something that will make the world notice? And then <laughs> Greta Thunberg tweeted about it using the hashtag. So, you know, she's one of the most famous people in the world at the moment. And we can sort of do that from little old O&B, really. Do you think there are lessons as a creative you've learned for One Minute Briefs that our listeners perhaps would benefit from? So, like, how teams and individuals could be more creative or practice being creative more often? I think, actually... Trying to get into the habit of, you know, I would say this because we're in the community, but to actually get into the habit of training your mind, taking a little break from your day. And even if it is literally a minute, scribble something down, have a bit of fun, share something. And I also use this technique when I've been in boardrooms and, and meetings and say, you know, get 10 people around the table. I've got one minute to think of a character for this. We'll do that. And in 10 minutes, you fill the entire wall with 100 ideas. And more often than not, they're really good. If I'm on a project that isn't to do with one minute brief, so I'm doing a film or something, I will put everything out of my head. So if I think of a stupid superhero idea or <laughs> or an animation or anything, I'll just put the idea down and then I'm onto the next page. And then I'll go back to the start and then I'll start to delete the ones that aren't so good. Because in my opinion, there's no such thing as a bad idea. And I think getting your ideas out is important. Some people sit there at a blank piece of paper all day and might come up with one idea that might be the best thing in the world. That might be the way you work. But I like to get everything out of my head and think of all the connections. What's that one thing that the brief is asking you to do or communicate? There's usually one line in a sentence of the brief, isn't there? So how can you do that in all sorts of different ways? And that's probably why One Minute Briefs became a thing because that's how me and the initial co-founder of OMB worked. He did his final major projects on the last night when we had seven weeks. <laughs> he literally took the one minute brief to me. And I think we fall into the trap, don't we? And I know I've done it before where we're like, we're going to have a brainstorming session and then you kind of walk into like an office environment and it's not necessarily the most creative space for like ideas, even if it's not even creative ideas, just thinking about ways of working, whatever. And often it's like been the drive home or the walk I take the next day where I reflect on something and think, oh yeah, I've thought about it differently. Where do you find yourself most creative? Is there like somewhere you just always go, yeah, I need my creative space or is it just random? I mean, I was talking... The person that I've just mentioned, the co-founder, I was out with him on, on Monday and we were just thinking of ideas for something that's come up and we were just sat in a bar rattling out ideas and chatting to each other and like we always have done. I was creative partners with him at McCann and things. I think sometimes that's that's good a good way of, and then you can improve each other's thinking. Like, So if you've got a thought, then someone else will say something. That's always good. So you're not just stuck with your own thinking. But like say, you might be driving somewhere and you just, come up with something or even I did a poster for Gamble Aware a little while back when I walked past Ladbrokes in town and I just thought about turning it round to broke lads and I just did it on the way to work when I got to work 
So sometimes it's literally responding to things that you've seen or, or reacting to stuff. You might see something on TV and think, what if I, for example, like that Rome, the idea of the Rome and it's coming home and stuff. I did an aftershave bottle and it was called It's Coming Home. And that got shared a lot. And it's just sometimes posting things and they might, you know, they might catch on. So, yeah, I just think you can get inspiration from anywhere and sometimes just giving yourself that time. And I like to, at the moment, get out and go walking about a lot. I suppose lockdown inspired that a little bit more. I also had a slip disc over the past couple of years. So I've been having to exercise and sort of recuperate and recover from that. So I've been trying to get out more and also try and keep a decent work-life balance. And I think that's quite important as well, especially when we're all at home a lot of the time. And I know we spoke about it before the chat and that so many Zoom calls and things, sometimes it's even more difficult if you are at home or working from home a bit more. So yeah, getting out and just sometimes not even thinking about stuff, get away from it and then come back. That's a really good point. I think definitely when I've seen teams or clients who have teams that are really, really maxed out and really busy, they just can't see the wood from the trees. They don't have any breathing space from like the day to day. So I think it's really, that's a really good point actually about giving you some mental space to think about new things and definitely when I've worked with like designers who have been really maxed out and busy when it's been like a fun idea that's something like pretty much outside of the must do must deliver all these things we've always come up with like mad ideas because I've enjoyed it and it's fun so I think that's about enjoying it a little bit as well and just finally how can listeners get involved in one minute brief like you don't have to be like a huge brand or a huge charity do you no anyone's uh, it's completely free at the point of access because it's on twitter at one minute briefs and also on instagram linkedin facebook the same thing one minute briefs but yeah you can we have a pin tweet every single weekday and you can get involved as an entrant a lot of the time we're giving away certain prizes yesterday gave away thousand pound in cash prizes giving away products worked with love island the other day i've just had some goodies arrive here have you got a water bottle <laughs> yes i have but i've, I've got it um Got it for my sister and my sister's name. So Yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs> so there's all sorts of prizes available. And, you know, if you are a brand or agency as well, if you were to get in touch by the website, bankofcreativity.co.uk, there might be ways that we can collaborate for brands or causes and actually run one-minute briefs with you. Because like I say, we do have massive reach and we're always on the edge of, if not trending, every time we run a brief and it's you know much cheaper than promoted tweets for brands as well so there's always that way of, of getting involved or if you have a suggestion on something that we can do together it might be a cause or something that you want to react to in pr or or something we're always open to ideas and always wanting to do something different i think that's what i'm driven by if we can do something a bit different and do something big and of course we do the the likes of films and billboard campaigns and you can connect up the dots to create big campaigns so there's all sorts of opportunities for the listeners hopefully to collaborate with us in many different ways Brilliant. well thanks very much for coming on today it's been great chatting to you thank you very much thanks for joining us and everything we've mentioned will be in the show notes we're talking about the questions and issues that matter to you so dm us on social or get in touch with harriet at commsovercoffee.com or myself rebecca at threadandfable.com if you enjoy the podcast please do rate review subscribe so others can find us and have five minutes with us find us on twitter at rebecca robert seven or at harriet Smallsey. Season two of Have You Got Five Minutes is brought to you in partnership with Nextdoor, the neighbourhood app that's used by one in seven households in the UK. This past 18 months, we've all needed to connect a little closer with the communities around us and Nextdoor are working to create a kinder place for people to have a neighbourhood that they can rely on. Tap into your neighbourhood at nextdoor.co.uk or download the app from your app store.